بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه جمعين ما بعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتاب الكريم بعد نعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن الناس من يتخذ من دون الله أندادا يحبونهم كحب الله والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الدنيا سجن المؤمن وجنة الكافر صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين الله سبحانه وتعالى has blessed each and every one of us with an innumerable amount of blessings but perhaps we can all agree that the greatest blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us is the blessing of faith, the blessing of iman. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to be amongst those who proclaim La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Right? That they, this is not from anything that we earned. Right? This is not from any doing of our own. There are billions, let alone not just millions, but billions of people who are, do not partake in this blessing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with the ability to believe in this. This is not because of anything that we have earned. Now once we understand that the greatest blessing that we can have is the fact that we believe, it behooves us, right? It's important for us to know what are the qualities of those people who believe, right? We should be concerned about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described the believers in the Qur'an. And once we understand how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described the believers in the Qur'an, we should ask ourselves that how well do we fit the description? That how well do we fit the description? And then we should make an effort to try to fit the description more and more and better and better. So amongst the many ayat, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He dedicates different passages in the Qur'an to describe the qualities of the believers, right? He has a, 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 a set of passages in Surah Al-Furqan, there are a set of passages in Surah Al-Qasas, and throughout the Qur'an. But I want to focus on one ayah, or not even the entire ayah, but a portion of the ayah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ That those who believe... Now Allah is going to mention a quality. What is the quality of those who believe? Now before I go mention the quality, I want us to understand something. The word Allah used here is amanu. In the Quran, Allah uses two words to refer to those who believe. Amanu and aslamu. Those who have surrendered themselves, those who have, are considered Muslim, and then those who are mu'min, the higher level of belief is the mu'min. What is the difference? The mu'min is the one who has wholeheartedly accepted Islam, meaning that everything that Islam asks of them, they conform to that. So one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentions, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى أَكُونَ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ وَالِدِهِ وَوَلَدِهِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ That none of you truly believe until I am more beloved to him than themselves, their family, their children, all of mankind put together. Now if we ask ourselves, if we fit this description, we, we, we will find that it's very difficult, right? For us to say that we love everyone more than the Prophet ﷺ. But this is our goal. This is what we should be striving for. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet ﷺ has described, a mu'min is. So Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا 
those who have the, a complete amount of faith, those who have the perfect level of faith, what is the standard? What is their quality? We should want to strive to be like that. Ashaddu hubban lillah. That they have an extreme, extreme amount of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than they love anyone else and more than they love anything else. Right? That their love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far above everything and everyone. Now let me just give you an example from the lives of the companions. You know, Bilal radiallahu an. When the Prophet ﷺ had passed away, he left Madinah to Munawwara. And then after a while, right, he had a dream. The Prophet ﷺ said, what is this cold shoulder that you are showing me? You never come to visit. So he went to Madinah to Munawwara to visit the Prophet ﷺ. And, you know, I just want to focus on one part of the story, which is that he couldn't stay in Madinah to Munawwara because he saw the Prophet ﷺ isn't there. And everything in Madinah to Munawwara was reminding him about the Prophet ﷺ. So he asked the, the, the Khalifa at the time, just give me permission to go in the path of Allah subhanahu wa so he gave him permission to go in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And during that time, he was, he was struck with a fatal blow. And now he's about to pass away. And the hadith says, the hadith mentions, dunya mu'min wa jannatul kafir. That this world is a prison for the believer and a garden, a paradise for the non-believer. One of the interpretations of this, and perhaps the one that we are acquainted with, is that this means, uh, how is this world a prison for the believer? This world is a prison for the believer because when a person is in prison, you're not, they're not able to do everything that they want. Likewise, a believer lives in this world not trying to do whatever they want, not just fulfilling their desires, but we have to think before we take every step, then is this action permissible? Or is this action impermissible? Will, will this action bring about the pleasure of Allah? Or will this action bring about the displeasure of Allah? That's the first interpretation. So based off of that, we're not going to be able to do everything that we want in this world. We have to conform our actions to that which are pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second interpretation of this hadith is how is this world a, 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 a prison for the believer? Because when a person is in prison, what happens? When a person is in prison, they're not able to visit their loved ones. They're barred from their loved ones. They're distant from their loved ones. So in Bilal radiallahu an, he had a great love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the quality that Allah is mentioning in this ayah. So when he was passing away, his wife came to him and she said, Ya Huzna or Wa Huzna, she was very grieved. She said, you're about to pass away such a grievous moment. What did Bilal say? He said, no, Wa Farha, such a beautiful moment. Why? Because now I'm going to be attached, I'm going to be with the one whom I love, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So this is the quality of the believer, that, they, that we have a great amount of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, Another question that we have to ask ourselves, which is perhaps a more important question, is how much does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala love us? How much does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala love us? Now as, as a general rule, generally, as we learn from the ayat of the Qur'an and the hadith, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the believers generally. Because it is the fact that we are fulfilling the purpose of existence of this life, that the world is still around, that it still exists. 
Because when will Qiyamah, when will the Day of Judgment be established? لا تقوم الساعة حتى لا يقال في الأرض الله الله That the Qiyamah will not come until no one is doing the worship of Allah. When no one is doing the worship of Allah, the purpose of the existence of the world is not being fulfilled. Allah will establish Qiyamah. Who is fulfilling the purpose of the creation of this world? We are. By worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So by virtue of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us. However, it is possible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves one Muslim over the other. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favors one person, one believer over the other. We have to ask ourselves, what is our relationship with Allah? And what are the signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us? Right? This is a question that we have to ask ourselves, do we fit that description? And then we should try to strive to fit that description. So there are many ahadith in which the Prophet ﷺ describes the signs of which Allah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a believer. So I'm just going to mention a few of these signs. What are some of these signs which indicate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a believer? The first sign that, uh, that, that comes to mind is, إِذَا أَحَبَّ اللَّهُ عَبَدًا that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a servant, what will he do? Ista'malahu. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will use this servant. What does it mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will use this servant? One of the meanings that it has that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will use this servant for the sake of his deen. For the purpose of propagating his deen. For the sake of teaching other people. Now I want to mention something. That oftentimes when you think of being used for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or used for Allah, this doesn't mean that it only applies to the alim or the mufti or the imam or so on and so forth. Each and every one of you can be used for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And each and every one of us can fall under this description. How? Let me give you an example. And something, a criteria that we can ask ourselves, how much is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using us? When you, are, when you are together with your friends, when you are together with your acquaintances, or when people are in, are in your company, ask yourselves, are you someone who will bring them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or are you someone who will bring them closer to the dunya? Or are you someone who will bring them closer to shaitan? Just ask yourself that question. Because the ulama mentioned, if you want to know your place with Allah, ask yourself, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consume your time with? You know, there are certain people who they're just consumed with work. That whenever they fulfill the quota that their job demands, but whenever they have an opportunity to work overtime, they don't need to, but they will jump on that opportunity. Because that's what they love. They just, what we call workaholics, they just love to work. Because the person just wants to gain more and more income. But we have to ask ourselves, what is more important, us building a more you know, luxurious lifestyle for ourselves or for us? For instance, when you have extra time, what do you do? Do you try to allot some of that extra time to learn Qur'an and to learn something about this deen? You know, today, none of us have an excuse not to be learning about Islam. None of us have an excuse not to be, learn, to be involved in some type of education. There are so many opportunities today. Whether it's online or here, when you have the Sunday school, the Sunday classes, or Saturday classes, every day of the week, almost every day of the week, you can find a halaqa. Almost every day of the week, you can find a program in the masjid. Right? You have to ask yourselves, 
what, how are you, how keen are you to want to join those programs? How, can, how keen are you to want to educate yourself about deen? Because the hadith mentions that man yuridillahu bihi khayran yufaqihu fi deen. Another hadith mentions that whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes good for, Allah will give them, this hadith technically means that Allah will give them a deep understanding of deen. But the a deep understanding begins somewhere. It begins with a step here or there. Ask yourself, how keen are you when you when an announcement is made that there's going to be a program at the masjid? What comes to your mind? Some people, when they hear that there's going to be a dars of tafsir or there's going to be a Sunday class or a Saturday class, we think to ourselves sometimes that you know I'd rather you know, go hang out with my friends or I'd rather you know go watch a movie. Some people think this way. And that's what we have to, we have to come to terms with our own spiritual reality. That what, where do our priorities lie? And we have to recognize that we will be asked about this. If we want that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala love us, one of the signs is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will use you for the sake of His deen. Whether it be being a means of just because somebody's around your company, they are praying more. At work, you're at work, you know it's time for salam. Right? Do you call your fellow co-worker to join you in salah? Do you have the you have my you may have the opportunity to pray salah in jama'ah? It happens many times. People they allot a place and they know that okay at this time we're going to bring salah. Do you help propagate that? Right? These are certain questions that we have to ask ourselves. So this is the first sign that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala loves His servant. That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will use them, use this person for the sake of His deen. And in addition to that, the hadith uh, indicates further. That what does it mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will use him? Not just your relationship with another individual, not just your relationship by allowing another person to be better, but your relationship with yourself. Your relationship with yourself. The Sahaba asked, How will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use us if He loves us? One of the things the Prophet sallallahu said, he said, Yaftahu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open doors of good deeds. Allah will allow you to perform more good deeds. You are, you are serving yourself, right? You are doing a favor to yourself, right? You are, you, you are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows, is allowing you to a means of your own goodness, right? So this is another sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves His servant because Allah will allow you to perform more good deeds. Another sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves his servant is that إِذَا أَحَمْبَ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves his servant, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test them. And another hadith which correlates to this, إِذَا أَحَمْبَ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا عَجَّلَ لَهُ عُقُوبًا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves his servant, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hasten to them their punishment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause them to feel, to experience hardship in this dunya. You know, oftentimes when we think of love, our relationship with one another or our relationship with our family is that we associate love with ease. Right? We associate love with ease. But we shouldn't necessarily correlate that, apply that to our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why am I saying this? Because my dear brothers and sisters, just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests you in a certain way, and you are, in, you are in a difficulty. That does not mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upset with you. And that does not mean that this, that 
trial or tribulation should be a means or cause of an individual becoming farther and farther away from their deen. So many times I hear of instances where a sister is in a difficulty and because of their difficulty, they stop wearing the hijab. Or I've heard even that there's a brother who's in a difficulty and because of the difficulty that they are experiencing, they allow that to... In they interpret that as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upset with them. And they pray, they're praying five times a day. They're coming to the masjid in khalas. Not even one prayer anymore. Not even one prayer anymore. Or they, they go up five times a day to less than that. Or whatever they were doing to less than that. Just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test the servant does not mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upset with them. And likewise, the opposite meaning, just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favors someone, just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives someone some blessings, does not mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy with them. Imam Ahmad, he, he said, إِذَا رَأَيْتُمْ رَجُلًا If you see a man, قَدَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَهُوَ مُصِرٌ عَلَى مَعْصِيَتِهِ That if you see a person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed this individual. Allah has blessed them. Allah has given them the luxuries of this life. And they seem to be having a life of ease and comfort. And that person is insistent upon the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Imam Ahmad say? فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ إِسْتِدْرَاجُ That no, Allah is not favoring them. But Allah is taking them step by step to the hellfire. Allah, just because Allah gives a person ease and luxury does not mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves them. And likewise, just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests an individual does not mean Allah is upset. One time Imam Shafi'i, he was making tawaf. And there was a man in front of him making tawaf. And the man was saying in his tawaf, he was making a dua, Allahumma hal anta radin anni. He said, Allahumma hal anta radin anni. The, oh Allah, are you pleased with me? And so Imam Shafi said, what type of dua is this? Ma had dua ya akhi. And the man turned around and he said, who are you? <laughs> who are you that you're, you're interrupting my dua and you're interrupting my tawaf? And the Imam Shafi said, Ana Muhammad ibn Idris. I'm, I'm, I'm Imam Shafi. And then he said, tell me, why is that wrong? He said, because all you have to ask yourself is, are you, are you happy with Allah so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may be happy with you? And then he said, how do I know that I am happy with Allah? So the man was thinking, how do I know you are sincere? How do I know that I am happy with Allah? Imam Shafi said, if you are happy with Allah in your difficulties, just as you are happy with Allah in your times of ease, then that means you are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with you. Right, so these are signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves an individual. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test that individual. Right? If we look in the life of the Prophet sallallahu we find that his tests were never a means of him coming farther farther away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The moment that he was given wahi, the moment that he was given revelation, his life became more and more difficult. People were calling, he went from Sadiq al-Ameen to al-Kathab al-Majroon al-Sahir. And he, did he cause that as a means? Did he think to himself that subhanallah, I should have never went to Hira? Did he think to himself that I should, have never, I, never, I should have never went to the cave so that I would not have been given this revelation? He didn't think that. As a matter of fact, in Ta'if, when he was being stoned by the, children, by the people of Ta'if, he stopped in a place called Ninawa. And he made a dua. And he, he, he made one dua and the dua is beautiful. And one of the things he said in his dua, he said, 
فَإِلَّمْ يَكُنْ غَضَبَكَ عَنِّي or if this difficulty is not because you are upset with me, if you are not allowing me, causing me to be in this difficulty because you are upset with me, then Ya Allah, I don't care. Meaning then bring the difficulty so long as that does not mean that you are upset with me. So the Prophet ﷺ did not allow or cause these means of difficulty to be uh, a cause of him going further and further away from his deen. Rather, it caused, it was a means of him getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another sign, and the last sign I'll mention, is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves an individual, what will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? The hadith mentions, إِذَا أَحَمْبَ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا يَحْمِي وَحَمَّاهُ الدُّنْيَا كَمَا يَظِلُّ أَحَدُكُمْ يَحْمِي سَقِيمَهُ الْمَاءُ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves his servant, Allah will protect them from the dunya. Allah will protect them from this world. And then the Prophet ﷺ gave a beautiful example. He says, just as any of you, when one of you have someone who is sick, when you are taking care of someone who is sick, and that sick person wants something to drink, they want water to drink, and you know that that water is harmful for them. But they want the water, but you know it's harmful for them. Are you going to give them the water? You're not going to give them the water even though they want it because you know if you give it to them, it will be harmful for them. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ says that one sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a servant is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect them from the dunya. A, a, a person may be asking for something specific, but Allah will not give them that specific thing. Allah will answer the dua in a different way. Why? Because Allah knows that if I give them this thing, then this will be a means of them going further and further away from me. So these are certain things. This is how we have to come to the ma'rifah of Allah. We have to recognize signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? This is the one of the things that when I think about the when I, when I think about the life of Ali radiallahu an, what did Ali radiallahu an say? He said, Ma ra'aytu shay'an qablahu wa ba'dahu wa fihi illa ra'aytu Allah fihi. He says, I never saw anything, I never looked at anything, either at that moment, before it, or after it, except that Allah, I saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in it. What does that mean? What does that mean that He saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in it? Another statement of His explains it greatly, it explains it beautifully. You know, whenever we make a plan, and we, we set our day up, we say, we're going to do this, 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 and this, or you're going on a, a journey, you say, you know, you make your plan, and you want to follow it according to just exactly as you guys set it up. Then when it doesn't go according to plan, when your plan breaks, what happens to us? Sometimes we become, you know, we become depressed, or sometimes we think to ourselves, we start second-guessing that only if I would have done this, 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 this. Ali radiallahu anhu, what does he say? He say, عَرَفْتُ رَبِّي azaim." That I knew Allah existed. I knew my Allah through the breaking of my plans. That when I wanted to do something, and it didn't go according to the way I planned, then this showed me that Allah exists. Because that shows me that I'm not in control. That shows to me Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control. And so everything he is experiencing in his life, he's interpreting in a positive light to allow him to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, the Prophet sallallahu says that some ways Allah loves a servant. One of the manifestations of the love of Allah is that Allah will not give you what you ask for. Right? We make the famous, we make the dua, the beautiful dua, and we're encouraged to make it, رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ 
Now just look at this dua. This is the dua whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm, I mentioned that there are certain qualities of the believers. We have to ask ourselves, do we fit the, the description? Allah says that the quality of the believers is that they make this dua. وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَقُولُ That the quality of the believers is that they make this dua. Now what is the dua? Two-thirds of the dua is revolving around the hereafter. Two-thirds of the dua is revolving around our akhirah. Ask yourself when you make dua, how much of your dua revolves around the akhirah and how much of your dua revolves around the dunya. In this, two-thirds of it is revolving around the akhirah. And even the one part that is revolving around the dunya, we say, Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana. Oh Allah, give us good in this life. Hassan Basri rahmatullahi alayhi, one of the great tabi'een, he said something, he explained this in an amazing way. He said, what does hasana fid dunya mean? What does good in this life mean? To us, when we may, may, when we may be making this dua, we, may, we might have certain something specific in our mind. Hassan Basri, he says, Hasana fit dunya, having good in this dunya is one of three things. He says, having good in this dunya is one of three things. Number one, ilman nafi'ah, that having beneficial knowledge. Having beneficial knowledge is something of hasana in this dunya. Right? So not having knowledge, you know, as a youth and even... Sometimes you get stuck into it Or you get involved in it you get, We get involved in sports And we begin to memorize this stat and that stat And so on and so forth But what benefit is that? I mean, what benefit is it if a record is broken? <laughs> right? Some people they get depressed because a record the, Is going to be broken what, what benefit does that have to us? And what harm does that give? What harm does that approach us? Right? And what benefit is it of even knowing that? We should be making uh, uh, an effort to gain beneficial knowledge Ilman nafi'ah Hassan Basri is saying this is the first good thing of this life. Alman nafi'ah. The second thing he says is rizqan halalan tayyibah. That having halal rizq. Having halal rizq. Not getting your sustenance from any haram way. Right? Making sure that your, your rizq, your sustenance is coming from halal means. The Prophet sallallahu said in another hadith, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ أَسْلَمَ that successful is the one who has submitted themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they have been given sufficient rizq. Right? The Prophet didn't ask make dua for kathra. The Prophet would make dua for abundance. Rather the Prophet would make dua for barakah. Because that's how you get abundance. The, the, the word barakah linguistically literally means ziyada. It means an increase, right? So you're not just stuck on the sabab, but you're thinking about the one who has facilitated the means. You know, one hadith that comes to mind to remind us about the importance of barakah. We should always be asking Allah for barakah, and we should always be seeing how much of barakah are we bringing to our life, even when it comes to eating food. Because we're talking about rizqan tayyibah, right? One time the Prophet ﷺ, he was sitting and eating with six companions. This is a hadith in Tirmidhi and he's mentioning the Shama'il of Tirmidhi. He was eating with six companions. And one A'arabi was there. And they were eating from one plate. One A'arabi came and the companions invited him to come eat and he finished the food in two bites. He finished the entire plate of food in two bites. And the companions were now left hungry. They were now left unsatisfied. And the Prophet ﷺ looked at them and he says, Do you know why you are still hungry? He said, Lo samma lakafakum. He said, If the Bedouin, he didn't say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim before eating. If he would have said Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, he would have been satisfied and all of you would have been satisfied. But because he didn't say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Allah took the barakah away from that food. 
This is why we're told every, even the Prophet this is why the sunnah is to even eat the, the, the food off of your fingers when you are eating. Why? Because the Prophet says, As so long as a person has halal rizq and they're gaining halal food, that in that is barakah, but you don't know where that barakah is. It could be, you could have ate everything. And you would have been eating on this with a spoon or with a hand. And the small morsel that was left on the spoon, or the small morsel that was left on the hand that we just flick away, and we throw in the garbage, it could be that that's what the barakah is. But now you missed out. That's why the Prophet wasallam says, that's why you should even eat the, the, you should lick your fingers after eating. Because it could be that that's where the barakah is. And the third thing that Hassan Basri rahmatullahi alayhi says, is hasana fi dunya is amal al-mutaqabbala that having actions that are accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you don't know we don't know which deeds we're doing that are accepted right this is why Aisha radhiallahu anha was one asked she asked the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam about the ayah walladhina yu'tuna ma ataw wa qulubuhum wajila that those believers who do the good deeds that they do and they're still scared she asked the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam why are they scared if they're doing good deeds why are they still frightful? The Prophet ﷺ said, they're scared because they don't know if their actions were accepted or not. They don't know if their actions were accepted or not. So they have that fear. So they, they're living between hope and fear. They don't know. So he says likewise, another hasana in this dunya is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts your actions. So we should also be making dua for that. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq to make amal upon this. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be amongst those whom love him and amongst those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. Ameen wa akhru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.